Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured a Premier League match at the City Ground against Nottingham Forest. Hello, Keith. Do we have to? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, well, we'll reduce to as short a time as possible how long we spend against this game that didn't really end up mattering in only insofar as I guess it cemented our place in number two. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number two, that's a good word for it. Yeah, I mean, really, there, there isn't a lot to say about it. I, ha I mean, there are some things we can say, and I think when it portends for the club, which will be sort of, we can we can do this more, I guess, next week when the season ends, but sort of talk about what the summer is going to be like <laughs> and some of the things that might happen. We've touched on them a lot, especially in the last week or two. But I, I think there were some interesting things there that we can draw lessons from. But otherwise, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of lessons to be drawn from what was a pretty dreary game. Yeah, dreary is about right. Well, so uh, let's start with some follow up from last week. So I had mentioned the old Trafford Lego set and to move quick because Lego sets don't last forever. Uh, apparently, this set has already been retired. As far as I know, it was retired before we recorded and I hadn't noticed, but uh, that just means that you need to spend more money on it and get it on eBay. You can't usually find it from retailers brand new, like from, from you know, the normal channels. So um, it sounds like a lot of money to spend just to play Godzilla on. You know? <laughs> oh, God, don't even don't even. <laughs> I, by the time you spend as long as I know those large Lego sets take to construct, I'm almost done with my Moss Eisley Cantina right now. That Well, I call it mine. <laughs> I bought it as a birthday gift for my son. I've been the one who's been <laughs> putting it together. He will be the one who plays with it. Well, spe speaking of wretched highs or scum and villainy. <laughs> yeah, so the, the thought of spending the hours, like literal days, if you add all the hours together into work days, um, on building something, the, the thought of <laughs> a Calvin and Hobbes style Godzilla rampage. I, <laughs> no, thank you. Counterpoint, it's Manchester United, so. <laughs> by the way let me take this opportunity to thank everyone who watched us on youtube last week i did actually get that video posted so uh we're gonna try it again this week and uh, hopefully we'll only get better with time so uh <laughs> so we'll see how that goes um by way of intro to our next topic let me state so you know we did end up playing nottingham forest i think i was so <laughs> let down by the end of the game i forgot to put the final score in the show notes um but so watching this match um keith watched it live as as he usually does and or basically always does um i did not this time i had other things going on this weekend but i was watching the replay the replay later by which point keith had added this next item into the show notes um something about Fularen Balagoon. Um, and a part of me throughout this entire match was hoping because the commentators had said at some point that there were a bunch of players on our bench who had not seen a minute of Premier League play yet this week. And I was hoping that there was some player named Folaren Balakun, <laughs> who I'd never heard of before, never seen play, who was going to come in <laughs> and win the match for us. And I was sorely disappointed that that was not the case. So, so please fill me in on what his actual story is. Okay, I feel like his name has come up before, uh, but it, but I guess it hasn't. So, not that I remember. Okay, Fuller and Balogun is a young player. He's a striker. Uh, he is on Arsenal. Well, he's not on Arsenal currently. He's an Arsenal player. He came up through the academy. Currently on loan at Rem in France, and is one of the leading scorers in Ligue 1, which is 
pretty impressive given he's like 20. Um, mm-hmm. Looks like a really nice piece for us. He has been, he was raised in London, come, you know, come up through the Arsenal Academy, has played youth teams in England, but was born in New York City, mm. meaning he was eligible to play for the United States. Uh, also, his parents are Nigerian, so he's also eligible to play for Nigeria. Hmm. Having played through the English youth system, he was probably going to end up in the England squad, or at least on, on you know, going to end up as a player of, that England will be looking at. Uh, but he has been courted by the the United States, and um, because this past week, uh, the, the the U.S. is in a, a competition this summer, the Concacaf Nations League. We had to announce our preliminary roster for that tournament and basically we you know we asked him if he was in and he said he was in and so he hmm. is switching his nationality so to speak uh to to his join affiliation, the US, yeah yeah to join the US <laughs> national team uh which it looks like he's going to play uh this about a, about a little less than a month from now we play Mexico in Las Vegas on June 15th and I hope to be there um hmm. And he is, and we talked a little bit about this, I think, during the World Cup. Probably the biggest weakness in the U.S. squad is the lack of a goal scorer. Uh, we do not right. have a, stri- a practice striker, an accomplished striker at the top level. We're about to get one of the leading scorers in the French League is about to become our striker. Which, again, nice. as, as we've talked about, I, I came into the sport watching the U.S. national team. So that is, as much as I, as mm-hmm. much as I, I love Arsenal, you know. <laughs> you know the U the U S is is first and we got him. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be fun. That's cool. Uh, so yes, that's and, yeah, was... yeah. So he's so it is an Arsenal connection. He is an Arsenal player. Now, having said that, here's the other fun thing: we're probably going to sell him this summer, um, mm. or at least he's probably <laughs> going to ask to be sold. And we'll talk about this, I think, a little bit during the game as well. With with transfers, there's always not just the two teams making an agreement as it would be in an American sport where the two teams trade players in Europe and in the larger soccer market, it is both teams and the player has to agree to the move. And there are players who will ask and force their way out. Uh, and the suspicion is that Balogun is going to do that because he probably won't get a lot of playing time with Arsenal. Whereas somewhere else he goes, he, he would get that. He wouldn't get this. He certainly, he somewhere else, He'll be the frontline striker with us. He would at best be a rotation. You know, he he probably ends up as a rotational piece. Worst cases, he turns into Eddie and Ketia, which we like Eddie and Ketia, but Balogun, I think, has reason to say he's already a more accomplished player than Ketia is. So probably getting sold. But for this brief moment, there's an Arsenal man leading the U.S. front line, and it's just it's just glorious. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, I was uh, shopping at Dick's Sporting Goods this weekend, uh, looking to pick up some some stuff for for Reed, some American football stuff, some uh, baseball stuff, and uh, going by the soccer section, I saw um, uh, Pulisic uh, U.S. Men's National Team jersey. So I was just going to add with the with the Balogun thing, I I sent I sent you the link, so it's in there. Um, there's a the athletic did a piece where they sort of detailed how he was recruited. So if you're interested in that sort of angle to the story, like how it is you recruit somebody to to switch your national <laughs> team, it, it it tells the story of how the how the U.S. did that, and it, it's been a long process, a multi year pro- a long process of keeping in touch with him, keeping track of him. Um, so you right. know, this isn't the kind of thing that just sort of happened at the spur of the moment. There's been a lot of work that was put into it by U.S. Soccer. So um, 
if you're right. into that side of the game at all, sort of those behind the scenes kind of thing, it's a nice little window into how some of that uh, takes place. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, no, just uh, with USMNT, I'm, I'm appreciative of how close that is to TMNT. It's like the Turtles men's national team. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyways, um, so also this week, I, I appreciate that you mentioned a week or two ago about um, when we had covered that Apple TV. And by the way, it is apparently the um, MLS is covered by Apple TV, not Apple TV Plus. And it, it's a whole thing. Like the naming around Apple's TV services and devices is fraught. <laughs> there's a lot of overlap and it's very confusing to talk about. But so the Apple, so MLS is on Apple TV, not Apple TV Plus. If you subscribe to Apple TV Plus, you get a discounted rate on MLS. But so anyway, so there's a free trial of MLS and you had mentioned that there were free games every week. And I had an opportunity this past week. I wasn't doing anything. I was sitting in front of a TV and I said, oh, there's some, some matches going on. And I watched the first, it turned out to be like 15 or 20 minutes of uh, NYC FC's uh, match this past week. So I have some additional uh, thoughts and observations beyond just the, the first match that I had watched uh, when they played Memphis uh, for the season opener. This was against Orlando. Um, so in no particular order, other than the order in which I observed these things, First of all, Orlando Stadium is tiny, like compared to the stadiums I'm used to seeing that are absolutely packed for basically every match we've seen Arsenal play in. It is a small stadium. Um, I'm not sure if that affects what my next observation was or if it's completely independent. I, I would need to watch more matches to really determine. But the camera angle on the matches is is different in, in a very noticeable way. like. All the Premier League, and I can't remember now because it, it was a while ago, but the Europa League competition, I think, was the same because I probably would have noticed it if it weren't. But the angle that they show Arsenal is always very high up looking at the whole field. You can always see like both touch lines on screen or nearly both touch lines in view at once um, and a pretty high angle down on the pitch. Um, what I was noticing on this NYCFC versus Orlando match, I was noticing it was a much lower angle. It's more like you were sitting in the like lower deck instead of the upper deck. Almost you were looking across players heads more instead of looking down on top of their heads. Um, and it, maybe because of that, or maybe separately, um, it was more zoomed in. Like the players were actually larger in frame. So it was interesting. I don't, I would have to watch more matches and watch complete matches to see which I would say I like more, but it's definitely, definitely different. And I don't know if that's because of how Apple is running it now, or if it was always like that, if it's just a difference in where they happen to make the mounts for the cameras in the U S stadiums. I, I don't know what explains it, but um, that was interesting. Um, also, we had talked about the jerseys a little bit oh, and the connection between NYC and Manchester City. Um, one thing that is definitely better with NYC's jerseys is they didn't put the crest in the center of the chest. I don't know if we ended up actually mentioning it when we played City the last time, but I can't stand the crest in the center of the chest. It looks stupid. I don't like the way it looks, but it's made further ridiculous by as soon as the players have been on the pitch for 10 or 15 minutes or longer – you see the crest surrounded by a circle of sweat because they get sweaty. And that apparently just having that there in, in between their pecs, it just 
it's a magnet for the sweat. And that's all you see is this like Manchester City crest surrounded by sweat. NYC is just a normal crest in the corner like like most most soccer teams have. Um, that said, I don't like the designs all over the jersey. It's it's blue, like in the same sky blue color as Manchester City, but it's got some kind of design all over it, which I wasn't a fan of. And lastly, it was just kind of funny. Orlando's sponsor is Orlando Health. And it's just kind of funny because the name of the team is part of the name of the sponsor. Like they're just Orlando. I don't think that they have like a, a nickname you would use like wolves or something like that. Um, it's, it looks like the team name is Orlando health. Like it, it's just kind of funny when they're playing in, or, in Orlando stadium and it's like, it says Orlando health. It's like, Oh, they're the Orlando health. Like I, it was just kind of funny. But <laughs> um. There's lots to unpack there because uh, I watched the same game, although obviously was watching for, for different reasons. And I watched the whole thing. Well, I shouldn't say, unfortunately, <laughs> right. City did level at the end, which was which was nice because I hate. hate oh, he did. They know. drew. Uh, yeah, they got a goal very late, which was the first road oh, okay. goal we've scored in like five games. So we're really good at right. Home. It looked really like it was pretty dire. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yes, Orlando's Stadium Exploria is the the name of it. Um, the sponsor on it is uh, it's small ish. It seats. Uh, seats twenty five thousand, which is hmm. uh, kind of small even for an MLS one. There are some big ones in MLS. Uh, a lot, some of them, mm. a lot of them are NFL stadiums, uh, which, but even at reduced capacity, still seat uh, over thirty thousand, you know, thirty forty thousand, thirty forty thousand people. Um, it's about twenty five, which would make it roughly the same size. And I'm reading the numbers off of Wikipedia here, but roughly the same size as Selhurst Park, uh, where Crystal Palace hmm. plays. Uh, and it is actually not, I mean, it's, it's at 25,000 and city ground where Arsenal was this past week is 30,000, about 30, yeah, there's 30,000. Uh, so it's not, you know, like in a lot of hmm. American stadiums would be probably be on the small end of a premier league stadium. But if you look at premier league stadiums, uh, you know, old Trafford's at 74,000, uh, and then Tottenham Hotspur is at 62. Emirates is at 60. Uh, the London Stadium's at 60. Those those stadiums would be on the the lower end of the scale, except Old Trafford. But the ones at 60,000 will be on the lower end of the scale of uh, stadiums in the NFL, the the the, the, the American Football League. So it, it you know it's kind of a mm -hmm. it, 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 Soccer isn't the NFL in in the United States, but American football obviously is not the Premier League in England. So some of that's just responding to audiences. Um, as far as the angle goes, sure. I suspect that's where the camera mounts were set up within the stadium when it was built. Um, it, it, nothing looked out of the ordinary. It, it's interesting. The more you watch at different stadiums, uh, even you know, even within the same sport, you you do start to notice they have different angles, and there's just something about watching a game in a certain stadium that you just expect a certain perspective on the field. Um, and some in particular with a much more exaggerated one where you're really high and almost like you're looking down on them. Mm -hmm. And some where you're very low and it, it does feel a little bit like you're much closer to the level of the field. Um, Orlando's generally I... considered a very nice stadium. Uh, the U.S. national team has played there several times. Uh, they seem to do well there. They seem to like it. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I did notice, in addition to the primary angle being lower, it seemed like the coverage just moved angles a lot more, which you almost have to. Because of having that lower angle, you can't see everything that's going on as clearly. So they would do alternate angles way more often than you see during a typical Arsenal match that I'm used to watching, which was and good, too. That, yeah. I did like that, definitely. And some of that's just a some of that's also a production decision. Some whoever as they're watching the game, they're deciding. You know, and, and right. Apple's got their style, NBC's got their style as far as covering the Premier League so, and making those camera choices. So, you know, there's a little bit of that going on. I laughed a lot at the the Crest comment. That, you know, Crest position is one of those things that if you're if you're someone who cares about it, it drives you insane when it's not where you want it to be. <laughs> uh, that that position though, that is a manufacturer's decision. Uh, so huh. City is one of those uh, is outfitted by Puma, Manchester City, that is. And they they all have a series of kits with the, the crest right there in the center of the chest, um, though the U.S. has done that as well under Nike. Arsenal's done it for a year, has done it before under Nike. Um, but hmm. uh, the MLS is all outfitted as a league by Adidas. And Adidas does the like, you know, like uh, like Arsenal is uh, has right. it, uh, over here on the left. Um I, I, I can't speak to the, the attraction of the sweats, you know, not to not to get too personal on this podcast. But when I when I'm in the gym, I also tend to have a lot of sweat pooling up in certain parts. And, and it, I don't have a crest on my gym shirts. So um, I think that's just because yeah. that's just where there's a lot of sweat. Uh, on, the, the, on well, there. right. There is. Yeah. But absent a crest, you get a little sweat mark there right well, yes, but it, it it, the way that it gathers around the crest is what's obnoxious and weird right mm-hmm. like it doesn't gather around the crest when it's directly on the peck like sweat does pool between your pecs like absolutely right. it does for most people i would imagine but yeah it's it's a reason not to have it there <laughs> yeah i i mean you know it's one of those again one of those once you notice it and if you decide you care about it it will drive you <laughs> crazy but some people you know there are a lot of people who are like oh that's right it is there um so um yeah and uh actually yeah so orlando's full name is orlando city sc their orlando city soccer club um they sometimes go by the lions because you'll notice their crest was a a lion head um as for new york city's uh kits there were new ones for this year mls does this interesting thing where every year they switch out they you get them for two years but each year they're switching out a different one so this year city got a new Hmm. home kit and what it is, oh, you might not have seen it. But it might have been a little hard to see. So it, it, it's actually kind of a neat design, I think. It's um, it's it's meant to look like a mosaic of the club's logo, of the monogram, the hmm. NYC logo, but designed like a mosaic, like subway tiles. New York City really likes to do okay. subway. They're they're very much this whole thing about being in the city and part of New York City. They like a lot of subway style imagery, yeah, um, and sort of a lot of the way they do things. So it's it, it's hmm. once you, you know you you go. You can go look it up like on the, you know, on a, a, the, you know, the team store or something, and you'll see a, a clear view of what it is, and you can actually make out the right. bits and pieces. Doesn't always translate as well on the um, on television, of course. But I, I, right, I mean, I, the way that most like people are going to see it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of <laughs> like it. So, I mean, we've, you know, yeah, we've, I guess, yeah. Had... To me, seeing it on TV, it, it looked busy. I guess is my main criticism it, of it. It is a little busy, um, it, but then again, not quite as busy as their away kit, which uh, is. It's orange, and uh, I'll I'll let you look it up. Maybe you don't have to do it now, but I'll let you look it up. Just know, just know that a number of fans refer to it as the David Bowie kit. That's all I'll say. Um, oh boy! 
Okay. But anyway, yeah. So <laughs> MLS, MLS detour. <laughs> All right. Well, the time has come, the walrus said, to speak of Nottingham Forest. Um, yep. So as we record, this match happened two days ago on May 21st. And we very extremely frustratingly lost 1-0. This should not have happened. It really should not have happened. I don't know how many details we want to go into, but oh my goodness. Yeah, it was it was a poor performance. Credit to Forrest, um, who has, as you probably caught on the broadcast, has now uh, clinched their spot in the Premier League for next season. They were... They were kind right. of around the relegation line, but this win, obviously, this win uh, got them to safety. So it was a good environment for them. Um, so, you know, that it does sort of lend something interesting to the end of the season. It's, it's, a, it's a real difference between the way an American sporting season will end and the way this, you know, English soccer season will end. You know, in the American one, there's a sort of sense that you're, you're gearing up for the postseason, right? Everything's targeted towards the playoffs. Right. And so if you're a team in forest position, you know, we don't have relegation, so you're not worried about it. So a team like that is typically they're just playing out the string. They're, you know, on the beach, as we said, as we've said, mm-hmm. whereas for Arsenal, it'd be like, all right, let's get the lineup set. Let's, you know, maybe try some new things, you know, just keep players healthy heading into the postseason. Who are we matched up with? OK, it, the English season. Nope, it's done. It's over. They're mm-hmm. going to play the last game and that's it. And so for a team like Forrest, which actually has something to lose, potentially being relegated. This game matters much more than it does to Arsenal, which obviously now it's officially over by losing. Manchester City has won the title. Yay for them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in, in 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 that sense, we're we're we even coming into this game. It required, among other things, City dropping points to Chelsea, which wasn't going to happen. Um, <laughs> it, to say, so, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it just kind of an odd thing. We had essentially had very little or nothing to play for. They had everything to play for, which isn't what you might expect from given our positions on the table. But, well, there it is. Um, well, yeah. And, and I mean, on top of it, the goal that they managed to eke out, it was it was an improbable goal. Like three or four things happened wrong in quick succession that they did capitalize on. So, you know, definitely some credit is due to them. Um but it was just everything went wrong, and they it was one goal. We scored five against them in our last match against them, right? I mean, they scored one goal. There, there is like zero justification for us not having scored even once with something like around eighty percent possession in our favor. How did we not score at least once? Yeah, it was baffling. but 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 watch but watch the game how how many times during that game did you actually say to yourself man we we oh we're almost there when I mean, think about how many of those games we've had over the even over the last few weeks where you know even like even the first half in brighton like oh you know just a couple hit the post here that did you feel that way in this game yeah i mean i noted them down when they happened we had a bunch of close calls where i thought there was at least a chance it would go in um it it didn't feel inevitable there are games where it's like you and we talked about it last match or yeah last week we were talking about the last match um where it feels inevitable especially towards the end of the half like they just all of a sudden it's like the fires in their bellies and they're gonna score and very often especially earlier in the season they would that 
hasn't materialized for the last like month or so. But that that I didn't feel. I didn't feel like it was inevitable they were going to score. Um, I was hopeful just because the, the ball was on Forest's side the vast majority of the time. But what I did notice is we didn't get into the 18 yard box very much at all. Um, they were really defending well, I guess, is what it comes down to. They were they were keeping us at bay to a large degree. Yeah, uh, and and some of it was it, so it's a little bit of both. Uh, certainly, by scoring the goal, you know, as we've talked about tactically, it allows them to sit back. They were playing with five in the back. They were they were parking the bus. They were definitely behind uh, behind the ball. You know, trying to force us to break them down. The other side of that, though, is we were we were a mess. We we did not look good and so you saw some of that so the big story pregame uh alexander zinchenko apparently has a strain somewhere in his leg and is done for the year all two games left mm. he's done for the, he was effectively out for the season gabriel martinelli we saw we talked about he got hurt in the brighton game he's done for the season um don't know when he'll be back uh you know arsenal's been very coy about whatever it is has happened to him or what he may or may not be dealing with um we say hope it's not too serious, but we, you know, we, right. we may not know anything until August when they are even late July or mid July when they come back for training camp. Um, and then who knows what we'll know, who knows, or maybe he gets called up for Brazil this summer. If for whatever games Brazil has, I don't, I don't know what Brazil's doing this summer. Uh, but you know, that being out, okay. With Martinelli, it's easy to put in Trossard, but with, with Zinchenko out, I mean, if, if Zinchenko's out, who's who's our who's our left back? Mm-hmm. No, I'm asking who's the, who should be the left back. You're who's asking our me. Backup left back. Oh, I think it would typically be Tierney. I it think, is, except and he did come in later. Yeah, but he didn't start, did he? No. No. It, it, so I, I I can't remember who it was in this match. Well, so here's the fun thing. It almost looked like we, and depending on where you look, lineup and line, line lineups and formations are always sort of a. It's kind of an odd thing about them, like you know, to what to, you know, are you are you this when you're in possession and this when you're out? Is it just where people start? Like, how does that work? Uh, you know, everyone has different roles. Like we talk about Zinchenko, he plays left back, but then he drifts into the middle and spends most of the game like in the center of the field, right? If you look at this, what I think Arsenal was doing was effectively a back three. So using Kivior, Gabriel, and White as our as our three, they're all center backs. Uh, you know, Ben White was center was a center back all of last year. He's be, he stepped in as right back this year and, and done well. But using them as center backs and then dropping uh, Xhaka on the left and Party on the right, essentially. So at times we could be five in the back. Uh, but typically going forward, you really only had the three in the back, and then one of them was dropping in at times to push a four, or both of them were pushing forward. Um, and what it looked like we ended up doing was overloading the right-hand side. And part of the problem there is you, it looked at times like Saka, Odegaard, and Party were all kind of running into the same spaces. Like, this was a very different formation than what we've done, and a lot of it looked like guys didn't know where they were supposed to be. And right? so yeah. what you wind up with is a lot of possession, but it's a lot of empty possession. So as you right. point out, yeah, we had a bunch of the ball, but look where we passed it just all around the outside of the 18 yard box. It was very difficult for us right. to get any sort of penetration 
you know, certainly going down, we, you know, crowding down the right side, Saka, Odegaard, and, and Party are trying to overlap with each other, but they don't have the same understanding. You know, that certainly right. uh, Ben White uh, does with Saka. Saka's obviously a little bit tired. Odegaard, you know, had a bad giveaway that, that ended up leading to their goal. I mean, you're right. It was one play. A lot of things had to go wrong, but we made a mistake. We got punished for it. They tried mm-hmm. a few times on the other side. Trossard was kind of invisible. And also, he was drifting inside a lot, too. And we were arguing about that during the game. Is Trossard, is Trossard uh, supposed to be further outside, and that's what's preventing us from attacking down the left? Or is he just, because we're not attacking down the left, he's drifting more into the center, and thus we're, we're trying to ease. He's trying to bring himself into the action uh more so right. uh so uh, you know chick- chicken and egg i guess i'm not really sure um <laughs> yeah I, I, and you saw a couple times look that they tried to thread some balls into to like jesus running in up the middle but that never really got to anything and Forrest did a good job to stiff those out and push those away so yeah it looked like we were kind of interestingly running out of options this is a game frankly zinchenko would have actually made a big difference he would have been a really helpful piece in terms of his ability to pop up in different places, cause confusion, stretch the defense, or make those kind of extra passes that, you know, maybe Odegaard would have been better had he been a little bit more central, you know, to sort of see things as opposed to coming off to the right with Saka. So, yeah, it was a mess. We looked, we looked, it it, it reminds a, a lot of people of the first year plus of Arteta's time in charge was, they have these these passing maps. Basically, they're just arrows on the field on a, a diagram of the field, saying where are all the passes going to. And they called right. it the horseshoe of death because we were just building this hmm. arc around the eighteen yard box, not getting anything into the box. And guess what? We didn't score a lot of goals because you score goals in the box, um, right? So it was a it was a it was an unpleasant reminder of some very recent, less than pleasant times. Um, and again, Tierney started on the bench, and Mill Smith Rowe didn't play. I mean, that's right. There's a lot of things that you could say could be said about that, and you know, it, it, a lot of things that suggest about where they stand in the club's estimation, and 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 where they where they see themselves with the club. We talked about, you know, players wanting to go, or you know, the role players play in that. I mean, who knows? Maybe Tyranny's already gone to them and said, "If you're not, if I'm not going to be a starter here, I want to go somewhere where I'm going to be a starter," which he's, you know, certainly within his rights to ask for, and he's a good enough player. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the commentators were strongly implying, if not outright stating, that we basically are getting rid of Jaka. It sounded like for next season. So. Well, we're not we're not so much getting rid of him because uh, I saw that story. I guess it came out. I guess it must have come out on Tuesday because we recorded on Monday. Um, there's apparently he's negotiating an offer from Bayer Leverkusen in Germany, um, which good so for would that him. Be a step up I, for him? Uh no. Ba- Bayer's Bayer Leverkusen's kind of mid table in the in the Bundesliga. What it would be probably is, uh, well, there's two things probable things. One, um. It would allow he and his family to move to Germany, which he's Swiss. So Germany, I think his wife might be German. So, you know, being in Germany mm-hmm. is a little more. I mean, he's been in London for, you know, a number of years now, obviously, with Arsenal. But to be in Germany, especially towards the tail end of his career, you know, the other part of it, and this was speculative, but, you know, who knows? At, at this point, Arsenal's kind of had, 
Arsenal's been looking to sell Xhaka, or Xhaka's been available for sale for a couple seasons. And then when you can't sell him or get a price they like, they sort of extend this contract just by a year. And you're kind of living on this year-by-year contract. I mean, Leverkusen might have come down and said, here's a four-year contract. At which point, Mm -hmm. you want that extra security to know that, okay, I really can close out my career here. Um, Yeah. And, you know, as we talked about it, one of the big, the fun parts of the summer is thinking about all the players we're going to bring in. Declan Rice, Caicedo, Mason Mount. Um, you know, I saw a suggestion on ESPN today that we should, the Arsenal should put in a bid for Harry Kane and Jude Bellingham. I can't decide which one's funnier. <laughs> um, just for, well, you know who Harry Kane is, yes? Yes. yes the other one I'm him. not familiar with. Which, yeah. would be, which would be hilarious if it actually <laughs> happened, which is why it won't happen. Right. Um, the other one, Jude Bellingham, uh, is a, an English player. He plays uh, in Dortmund, a young English player. He played for them in the World Cup. He's like 19 or 20. He's, he's really good. Like okay. Manchester City and Real Madrid are competing for which of them gets to pay Dortmund 300 mil- you know, 100 million euros to sign him. He's very good. Um, he was probably England's hmm. best player in the World Cup uh, this hmm. uh, back in December. So, um, oh, okay, that's weird because that's that's really where I learned who Harry Kane was. I didn't remember him much. We'd played Tottenham before the World Cup, and he didn't make much of an impression on me. But after watching him in the World Cup, I made note of him, and you know now I know who he is. The other player I don't remember from World Cup. Did he did he play much? Oh yes, he played a lot for England. He was probably oh, the okay. best player. I mean, Kane, you know, Kane of huh. course is Tottenham's player. The the nice thing is that this year Tottenham finally didn't score goals against us, which was a pleasant uh, change mm-hmm. of pace. <laughs> Kane, I think Kane, I think is the the Tottenham player with the most goals all time against Arsenal. It's very, very annoying. Um, would be hilarious <laughs> to sign him. Anyway, sidetrack. <laughs> yes, the real benefit of this point, you know, at this point, as you start talking about transfers, the fun part is all the fun players you're going to sign. But you are going to get rid of some. Some guys are going to go. We talked about Balogun, who may not, is not going to mean as much for you because you've obviously never seen him play and apparently didn't even know he was at Arsenal, which is totally fine. Uh, no judgment. Um, <laughs> But granted, Xhaka, we talked about, I mean, if Xhaka goes, I don't know that you swap out Thomas Party as well. But I mean, Moises Caicedo, had they signed him, is a, is a Thomas Party replacement. Declan Rice is something of a Party or Xhaka replacement. I mean, if those are guys you bring in, you sort of push guys out. Um, some of them are player, young guys on loan who, who have been on loan. Charlie Patino is another one. They're not going to break into the first team. So it might be better for them to get sold permanently elsewhere where they can have a playing career. Um, Kieran Tierney, Emil Smith Rowe. I mean, these are guys you look at. You know, Tierney's Tierney hasn't really played much recently. Again, a game where our left mm-hmm. back was out, he should be starting, right? Nope, nope. And yeah. then, and then Emil Smith Rowe. I mean, it, it, there's been some conversation about this. Again, this is all fan stuff. The club is very tight lipped about this sort of thing, but there's been all this sort of fan conversation. I mean, where is Smith Rowe? I mean. On the one hand, it's hard to rotate him in with the way the team had been playing before. He's coming back from injury. But Arteta's also dropped comments all like in the last half of the season. He's he's not impressed with something. Something isn't working. He's not impressed with something. He's he, something said something along the lines of like, he knows what he has to do. You know, kind of that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound so good, you know? Um, no. So, I mean, who knows? Again, you have to find a club that wants him. I mean, these are 
this is a much better position than we've been in in, in the last several years of trying to sell players that nobody wants because we weren't we weren't very good. Now we've got a bunch of players people would pay money for, um, which is nice because again, there has to be a certain balance between money going in and money going out. So we're gonna have to sell some guys. Um, mm-hmm. And so Jaka's a nice Jaka. It looks like is gonna end up being a nice start, and he leaves on a he'll leave on a high note. All things considered, there's been some pretty crazy stuff in all the years that that Jaka's <laughs> been here. I know All or Nothing kind of hinted at a lot of this, um, right? You know, he almost almost transferring out. He um, said some very very vulgar things while being booed as he was subbed off in a game. I think that was back in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. Like Arteta basically had to talk him into no, no. I want you to stay. I I can I can help you. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make this work. Um, right. So he's had a bit of a roller coaster in his career. So, but you know, being on the club that gets Arsenal back into the Champions League is a is, is a nice high to go out on. I think. Well, and, I mean, just for him personally, too, it seems compared to what I saw in the documentary, he's turned a new leaf. Like we've talked multiple times about him not getting, I don't think he's gotten a red card yet mm-hmm. this season. And with only one match left, it's, it seems unlikely to happen now. Um, I, I, his behavior has improved. He's doing the opposite of what he maybe typically would have done in the past. Like, it seems like he has grown as a person, too. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, Yeah, and I, I he... um. Yeah, he also. We haven't gotten a red card. I don't think all season. I don't believe we have. I, I'm, I, I, which is, which is. I'm trying to I remember. Mean, yeah, I don't. I don't recall us getting a red card all season. We're gonna get one against Wolves. I now I've jinxed it. But um, <laughs> yeah, we. I don't. I don't think we have. Which you know, we we got a lot yeah. the first couple of years under Arteta. There was a sort of question: Oh, what's Arteta doing wrong? How do you fix all these red cards? And some of them were bad luck. Some of them were questionable refereeing decisions but also but ultimately it's a lot of it it's about the players having the discipline to not put themselves in position where the referee can mm-hmm. go nope red get out right um, and and and, and Jaka's done that he's avoided some of those situations that kind of got him into trouble in the past um some of it's also his positioning on the field he's 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 in positions where he's less likely to commit fouls because of what he's being asked to do um some of the fouls he committed that led to cards in in years past have been as he sort of has described it, him trying to cover for other players' mistakes and being in these weird and awkward and desperate positions and making challenges that he shouldn't be. Um, right. So that's that's a generous interpretation, I think. But but mm-hmm. still, I can I get where it's coming <laughs> from. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it would be nice. It'd be nice for him to close out on a high note. It'd be kind of curious to see how Arsenal plays this last game. In terms of the lineup, in terms of, of of things, one thing you might see, I don't know how much how much they do this is in in England. They'll do it from time to time. Is you'll probably you wonder if you'll see some of the subs used uh, to used individually for certain players. So, for example, maybe there'll come a time in the middle, late in the second half, when Arteta will sub out, maybe for example, Xhaka, and just let Xhaka like have a moment where as he's coming off, we've seen the, the crowd sort of salutes players that are coming off. Right. So, I mean, knowing that that's probably his last game, create that moment where he is the, mm-hmm. he gets to be the center of attention and everyone knows the applaud. Everyone is applauding for him. Um, mm. Or you might see it with a Saka or an Odegaard sort of in, in uh, recognition of the kind of seasons they have broadly had as opposed to the last couple of weeks. Um, 
certainly that's the kind of thing you see a lot in, you'll see a lot in American sports toward the end of the season, you know, in, especially basketball or, or football where you have certain moments of substitutions like that. Um, you know, kind of that la- uh, last moment. And then when the game ends, they'll do like a lap around the stadium. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll parade around and just have a, a sort of a nice mm-hmm. moment in the afternoon sun where everybody, or in the late <laughs> afternoon, everybody just, you know, applauds and, you oh. know, have, just has a nice one. Speaking of the afternoon sun, you reminded me of something else I wanted to talk about from this match. So the way that this stadium was oriented, I don't remember seeing this at any other time this season. The the goals were at apparently easterly and westerly exposure ends of you know the of the plot that they're on, so the sun was direct in Ramsdale's eyes toward the end, and there was one time where I forget what I think there was a free kick. There was a free kick at goal scoring distance, and Ramsdale was there making a tent over his eyes out of mm-hmm. his hand, making like the brim of a hat with his hand, right, and the commentators were saying what was on my mind, like when did it fall out of fashion for, for goalies to wear caps? And it's something that I've thought about when I'm playing, because as much as I would have preferred to have it set, otherwise we we've played in that situation too, where I'm like staring at the sun as a goalkeeper. And they basically came down on the side of, well, it just looks stupid. (laughs) That's that's probably the reason it's not fashionable, but (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I have seen it before. I mean, they talk about it being a fashion. There were, there were periods where keepers have worn hats. Um, like like right, more but like way in the past, I think. Right. I feel like I've seen it. Which I mean, I have been watching for okay. a while now. So I guess it's you know it's close to thirty years I've been watching this sport. So you know maybe it's you know I guess maybe yeah. I mean the past, but I I, I was thinking more like fifty or more years ago, like before our lifetimes, that it was something in the distant past that was done. You think more recently than that though? I, I want to say more recently. I mean it's kind of odd. I'd have to look back and see. I mean how much of this is tied to the timing of games. Obviously today obviously these days it's all television related. But you think for the longest time any of these stadiums didn't have lights. So they had to play at certain times because that was when, you know, the sun was out. Um, or mm-hmm. alternately you get lights and you can play, are you playing around sunset late in the day? Or are you perhaps playing in, in the, you have to play every game is played in the middle of the day because, and so the sun's way up here. So who cares? You don't need, it's right. not going to be in anyone's eyes. Um, and of course you're right. The orientation of the goals as well. I mean, that's not going to be an issue in the Emirates because it's the enclosed, more of the enclosed stadium. More. Um, yeah. As opposed to, right. Yeah. When it's low ground. enough to be in your eyes, it would be eclipsed. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and City Ground is an older, is one of those sort of older four sided stadiums where yeah, it's not as good, it's not as big. It's going to be a lot. The sun can get a lot lower. And yeah, it was. I mean, you know, if I'm doing the time right, we I mean, kicked off what eleven thirty my time, ten thirty my time. Um, yeah, 11, you know, it was eleven eleven thirty for you, twelve thirty East yeah. Coast. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's there's six hours, so you're kicking. You're talking about kicking off at five thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, five thirty. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't bring myself to try and come up with a player of the match, and I'd rather not even think about it. I didn't even end up watching. Usually before we record, um, I watch the two-minute highlights that I put into the show notes. I couldn't bring myself to relive this match. Um, I don't want to even think about player of the match. Do you Do you feel the same? Um, I mean, only because I feel like I feel like you should in good times and bad. If you're going to do it, you should do it. Um, I would go okay. with. I'd probably say I'd go with Jorginho. I thought Jorginho had a had a quiet sort of game. He's he. Well, I shouldn't say quiet. Actually, he's he's quite the gesticulator. Um, he's definitely out there <laughs> pointing and trying to get things going. I mean, he's not the most forward direct player. 
um, you know, par- someone like Party or Odegaard is, and or even Jaka is much more much better about progressive passing. But I, I thought Jaka was kind of invisible. Party kind of disappeared on that right side. Saka, I think Saka's really tired. Um, Odegaard kind of disappeared in that on that right side and had the really bad giveaway for the goal. Ramsdale didn't actually do anything because uh, <laughs> the game <laughs> most of the game was spent on our end or their end. Um, you know, I can't really bring myself to pick any of the defenders. I thought, uh, yeah, no, I can't really. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna say Jorginho. I thought Jorginho had a nice had a, had a, at least a decent game, which is more than I can say for some of the others. Yeah, I mean, so okay, so you're you're making me think about it. that's okay. Um, so <laughs> I'm looking through my notes and I'm seeing a couple times that I saw um Jesus was close. I'm seeing another couple times that Jorginho was close to scoring. Going by that, it looks like Jesus maybe has the slight edge in terms of number of times that I noted near misses, but I haven't picked Jorginho before. I, I can go for Jorginho. <laughs> Spread it around gonna, uh, a little yeah, bit. <laughs> but, but I'll say this, and we've sort of talked about this before, right? That some of it's the expectations game. Jorginho comes close to goal. It's a big deal. Good for him. Jesus yep. comes close to goal, and it's, dude, you're the striker. You have to score. You know, I thought Jesus yeah. had – I thought Jesus – Jesus for me was up and down. I, you know, it's kind of an odd thing. He certainly – Forrest was very grabby. We were we were very displeased with Anthony Taylor's um, officiating of the match because Forrest was very grabby. On the other hand, Jesus definitely tried to sell a few of them uh, to, to a little yeah, too much at some points. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, actually, the one you're thinking of, I, I actually I saw somewhere it wasn't actually that he, w- he wasn't booked for the, a dive; it was for dissent. So, oh, for means- arguing. Yeah, so what it means is he popped up and said something to the referee. He said the magic word to the referee. Oh, and it was like, uh-uh, okay. uh-uh, you can't say that. So, yeah, at the time, we all flipped out because, I mean, it would have been a borderline penalty, but we were all, like, we're begging for something. And um, there were a few uh, other places, though. I mean, there were a lot of times. It felt like there were a lot of times they were very grabby arm pulls and things like that. And, I mean, a few the other way that I was kind of like, hmm, wasn't the foul? Okay. Um but yeah, just again, officiating, I'm just going to leave yeah. that go. I mean, <laughs> look, both these things can be true. The, offici- the, the refereeing was bad, and so was Arsenal. Both of these things are true <laughs> um, and deserve to be. They, they, they can both be true, and I think that's worth, worth stating. But yeah, this yeah. game stunk. I don't know what we're going to get against Wolves. I'm... It's the last game. It's at home. Neither of us has anything to play for. I'm hoping for a better showing. Wolves, gosh, Wolves can't buy a goal as the season. They're terrible offensively. A uh, very good defensively, yeah. but um, I don't yeah. know. I'd be very curious well, to see what the game looks like. Yeah, so I, I have some questions about this match, but uh, before we do that, um, I wanted to talk to you because uh, I, I think we were talking before we recorded. Uh, you have tried Liquid IV now, right? Yes, I have. I've I've gotten a I got a, a nice sampler pack. Um, actually, last week I had one that was was strawberry, and I'm not a big strawberry guy. Just as a flavor, it's not a not what I particularly care for. But it was good. I had it, you know, and made the water. You know, I had on my in my gym run go go down pretty smooth. So I'm I'm pretty happy with it. Ah, cool. 
Well, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, this is what a stick looks like, um, you get, f for, for those of you, of course, who are watching on YouTube, uh, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning and before a workout when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights. Um, Keith was talking about uh, his recent experience with it. Um, I've tried the strawberry lemonade, which I like. I've tried the yuzu pineapple. Um, this that I have in my hand right now is tangerine. I have not yet tried it. Uh, that'll be the next one that I grab. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty good. So it, in just one of these sticks, so if you if you can tell on the video, so it's it's called a stick, but you know it's it's powder. I don't know if you hear of a sound of that kind of going up and down inside here, but it's a powder inside a stick shaped packet. You pour it into a, for me, a disposable bottle of water works well. That way you don't need to wash it out after um, you one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. There are 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. There are five essential vitamins, three times the electrolytes and premium ingredients compared to other traditional sports drinks. It is non GMO and free from gluten, dairy and soy and Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So they partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. So if you're thinking, hey, that sounds great, I could use better hydration in my routine, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Gooner, that is G-O-O-N-E-R, there is no you in Gooner, at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Gooner at liquidiv.com. There will be a link in the show notes, that is code Gooner, G-O-O-N-E-R. So as we do on this show, I have questions. One one brief funny thing I just wanted to note uh, from the match before we get to that. Um, so they, NBC Sports was hyping something, like all of our different non-soccer upcoming sporting events. There's horse racing and other things. <laughs> I was laughing when the commentator mentioned the Kentucky Derby. Like my whole life, I've heard of Kentucky Derby. And it's just, it's emphasizing like this is the same word, just pronounced differently. And, and it's funny, like when we've had, um, <laughs> we had a discussion after one of my pickup soccer matches that uh, uh, two nearby towns, like the town that I live in and the town next door, we're going to be playing each other. Their soccer teams will be playing each other. And they're like, oh, it's it's a Northern Duchess Derby. Like, but even though we here are using that word, we're using it the way that they use it to describe a rivalry competition. Like it's, it's just kind of funny that it's like two words with the same spelling that are sometimes pronounced differently, sometimes the same. It's just kind of funny. But two people divided <laughs> by a common language. Right. So so first match question. One one odd thing that I noticed was every every time I think without exception that we took a corner kick. First of all, I think it worked out that every corner kick was a left corner and Saka was taking it, I think, or right, I guess a right corner left from the keeper's perspective. But um I, I don't remember anyone other than Saka taking corner kicks for us in this match. And there and there were quite a few corner kicks. Um but every time there's a corner kick, we were formed up on the far side of the six yard box. It was very strange. Like most of the time you're kind of evenly spread out within the six yard box. Everybody's trying to cover in front of the goal to try and get their head on it and get it in. We would always start off on the far side of the six yard box. And then once it's kicked, start rushing forward. Do you know what was going on there? What was the strategy there? Um. So I, I can't speak to this particular strategy. I can make some guesses. One thing is, is, 
we're not a very tall team. Like, like we have some, we have some taller guys like Gabrielle, some of the the center backs, but our forward line is is generally pretty short. I think we someone's looking it up. I think Jesus is five ten, and he's the tallest one. Um, hmm. And so, and so you look, and and you know, Forrest and some of the other teams we played have some some of those central defenders are over six feet tall, and so you don't want them jostling in the box because they're not gonna they're not gonna get anywhere just the sheer height. So perhaps what it is hmm. is by running in you know, you can use your momentum to put you into into dangerous places as opposed to trying to right. jump in place against somebody of a, of a similar height. Um, Interesting. Another thing we're doing is we're also playing, we also, I mean, we had a few that swung into the box, but we're also trying to play a lot more short corners. I mean, we, we you know, we, we had a really solid record earlier in the season of converting off of these set pieces, and we haven't been as good at that in the second half. I mean, one of the many reasons we've been struggling really down these last two months is is our inability to do a lot with with set piece plays like corners and so i think there's also an element of trying something different you get to the situation you do something a little bit different mix it up i mean that's what you want to be able to do is have a number of almost like set plays when you're in those situations and so you'll start you know in a lot of ways a lot like american football you ever you start everyone starts in a similar position but then as soon as the ball is right, right when the ball moves, everybody goes somewhere different. And as a defender, you, you, you maybe pull somebody where they're not expecting. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. It's like the line of scrimmage, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I could see it's harder to defend someone in motion versus when you're more or less static. Um, yeah. That, that all makes sense. Um, so the the next thing ended up getting explained. I'd marked a question down. I'd noticed that it happened in the 72nd minute and the 96th minute. And my question was answered not long after that 96th minute. Um, I was wondering why the goal kicks were not being taken by the keeper. I don't remember ever seeing that before. They were having like a pinch kicker <laughs> to use like a baseball term. We have like a pinch hitter batting for someone else or a pinch runner running for someone else. It was like a pinch kicker kicking these goal kicks, which apparently there was some injury that the keeper was was playing through. And then at a certain point, he couldn't anymore. Like he he actually had to defend and landed on it wrong or something. He was pushed over the edge. <laughs> had to have his teammate play for him for literally like the last five seconds yeah, of the match was like right. long they enough for him to, yeah, to get the punt off and, and then the ref yeah, blew the whistle and stop which time was which over. Was, which was annoying given the state of the game at that point. Uh, yeah. I, interesting. Yeah. I hadn't, I didn't realize he, I knew he was hurt at the end. That's why they took him off. I hadn't really seen that he was hurt, heard that he was hurt before. We noticed that as well in the, in the pub watching and yeah, it was weird. I, you know, I guess that makes more sense than just cause, uh, you know, there's no rule. that says anyone can, there's no rule. that says it has to be the keeper um, right. for all sorts of positional reasons. It makes sense, but yeah, it doesn't have to be him. And so, yeah, it was kind of interesting. It was kind of interesting to see, um, but I guess, okay. Yeah. An yeah. injury injury would do it. Yeah. And so then as his sub came on, I noticed something that at first I thought was a peculiarity of their keeper kit but then after spotting it, I looked and I, I pretty much confirmed that this was the case for their regular player jerseys too. But Forrest has Premier League patches on both shoulders. Now I'm used to seeing for ours and, and every other team that we've played as, as far as I can tell, 
we just have the one shoulder like you could see on the jersey you're wearing right now. Like we have the Visit Rwanda on one sleeve. We have Premier League on the other one. Thank you. Nice, nice not, not, the, not this one. And um, not this one. This is black. No yeah. Premier League. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, right. So yeah, it, so, would be, it would be the, the competition logo. So the Premier League or the Europa League or the FA. Yeah, or Europa. Exactly. As their, it's, it's sort of the, the competition patch. Yeah, so I noticed on Forest jerseys, they had the Premier League patch on both sleeves, which was kind of funny, which I noticed after having noticed that the United Nations were the front of jersey sponsors, which like I can't imagine they're paying that much. They're, I don't know. That, that was that was kind of odd. And it, it, is that playing into why they don't have another sponsor on their other sleeve and is that why they just figure out we'll put the premier league patch twice instead of having an empty sleeve like what what do you think is going on there well so the sleeve sponsorship is is kind of a new thing like like this even even this even the the visit rwanda arsenal hasn't done that for very long um you know typically you'd only see you'd see obviously the big shirt sponsor but then and then the manufacturer logo which is effectively a sponsor itself in in some ways Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't um I, I, I suspect that that's because they couldn't find someone who gave them a price they liked for the uh, the shirt sleeve. One thing you're also starting to see, uh, I think they said the league, the Premier League is actually going to ban certain betting companies. There's a, the concern that sort of the gambling aspect has become hmm. a little too much. So you, uh, several mm-hmm. clubs are going to have to change their shirt sponsors because those are betting companies, uh, which they don't want as much. Really interesting. Um yeah. So it could be that. In the case of Forrest, I, I'm pretty sure that the UN isn't paying for that. I'm pretty sure that's a charitable, considered like a charitable sure. thing on there. I mean, yeah, for, exactly, for a yeah. while, um, for a couple of years, Barcelona had a UNICEF as their uh, hmm. shirt sponsor. And then they got Qatar Airways, which, of course, paid them substantially more money than <laughs> UNICEF did. And there's this whole <laughs> thing about, well, Barcelona, we don't do that. This is too important for sponsorship. Ah, just kidding, Qatar. Um I mean, look, ours says fly Emirates. We're not really in a position to, you know, make too many <laughs> comments about that. But um, I think I think that's a charitable thing. I don't think they're – I'm pretty sure – I'm guessing – I'm kind of hoping for all kinds of reasons the UN isn't paying Nottingham Forest ever. <laughs> it's not about Forest, actually. It's more about the UN. But Yeah, right. Yeah, so um, uh, last question that, that was just kind of a weird observation. Like it's it, and it seemed like there are certain stadiums like this where you'll notice the players just slide, like slip and fall more often during certain matches and certain other matches. Is that just like is this because this is a team that is not always in the Premier League? They're typically a division down or, or maybe more. I'm not sure. Um, is it just not as good a stadium? Is the turf not as good and it just isn't maintained? And for some reason, that's making it slipperier and they fall more. What's with that? Do you know? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't notice. It didn't. I didn't, didn't notice like particular anything particularly unusual in terms of players going to ground. Usually, sometimes you'll see that a lot. The grass is slick. Um, sometimes it's slick. I mean, generally, you'll see them watering it during halftime and right before the game. Um, you want a certain slickness to it. You don't want it too dry because then it becomes really hard. But then again, there's all sorts of like we, I know this got talked about like with Everton. There's all sorts of gamesmanship about how long does the grass grow? Do you overwater, you know, to slow down a, maybe a speedier team like Arsenal can be? Um, you know, I, I, I didn't it didn't stand out to me players slipping, but it could just be, um, you know, it could just be it wasn't the water maybe the didn't water it quite right or there was just some patches that weren't as good um i mean we've talked about this on arsenal's 
generally well known for the quality of the pitch at the Emirates and and back when they were at right. Ivory, generally they're more one of the more well regarded ones. That makes sense. They you know they're a big club. They spend a lot of money on it. You know, Old Trafford is is supposed to be Anfield are really good stadiums. City Ground is a little bit smaller, both physically smaller, but also Forest is. I mean, we say Forest is a smaller club. They've won the European Cup twice, which is kind of crazy. Mm. Um, but uh, the equivalent of this is the equivalent of the Champions League, like like the Premier League. The whole thing was renamed and redone in the er, in the early nineties. Uh, so used oh, to be the European, okay. the European Cup. Now is the Champions League. Yeah, they've won it twice. Um, oh, okay. I was assuming you meant like winning the Europa League. So they actually won the Champions League, essentially. They won, they a won, times. They won the big, the trophy with the big ears, as they call it. Uh, the Champions League trophy. Has, huh. The handles are v- the handles are very pronounced. Um, well, <laughs> so they sometimes call it trophy with the big ears. So you'll see it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah they've won, they won it twice in the 70s. Um, there's an interesting story. The guy who did it, the manager who led them, there was a guy named Brian Clough, who's probably the greatest English manager never to manage England. Um, took over Derby County, won the league with Derby County. I, I don't remember if they lost the European final or it was the semifinal, got knocked out in some controversial things, ended up uh, leaving Derby to go to their closest competitor, Leeds, which was the, when Leeds was like the big club, got fired shortly from that. Afterwards, goes and takes over Nottingham Forest, who's actually Derby's arch rival, takes over Forest, wins the league, and wins the European Cup. Um, a lot of this is dramatized. There's a movie about maybe it's about ten or so years ago called The Damned United. Um, so hmm. about Clough and his obsession with beating leads. And it's I mean the the whole cast is a who's who of English actors. So you you re- you'll recognize <laughs> everybody mostly because they were all in <laughs> Harry Potter. Uh, but I was gonna say yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean so, but it's 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 a really good one and really kind of a nice interesting. I I imagine let's put it this way: it's a good movie to watch even if you don't know anything about soccer. I imagine now that you know a lot more about the league and some of these teams involved, it probably gives it a really a bit of an extra sort of veneer to it. Also, Brighton makes an appearance. So, uh, hmm. um, oh yeah, if you're looking for something to watch, uh, you know, you're I know you've got yeah. some time to yourself over the next few days. Um, I think I think it's I think you can get it on iTunes. Be able to get I'll it have to see. I'll have to see if it's streaming. Yeah. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, I'll link to Letterboxd. That's a service that I use for uh, tracking movies and uh, seeing what people think of it and stuff. And it, it actually integrates nicely with uh, telling me what streaming services that I subscribe to uh, have any given thing. So I'll put that link in there. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, I'll check it out. And on that note, I, I have noticed watching. Uh, I'm still watching the third season of Ted Lasso. I haven't finished it yet, but I am definitely appreciating a lot of the details in this season that were, I was completely oblivious to watching the first couple. I've been indoctrinated. <laughs> I've, I've been, I've so, been yeah, watching. It's... I'm in the middle of, I'm in the middle of season one. I'm just going to blow through the whole show um, over the next hmm. couple of, over the next week or so. Um, so I'm in, I'm in the middle of season one. I mean, go take a chance, go back to the beginning. And it's just, there were just so many little del- delicious mm-hmm. little Easter eggs all throughout. If you know what you're looking for, it's just, you know, in that sense, one of those things that's just really well done. It really feels lived in that particular world, which is not an well, easy take thing notes. to do. We, we can, uh, we can, <laughs> we can make that some, uh, some bonus content at one point, just kind of all the little Easter eggs. Cause I've been noticing some things like that too, that I'm pointing out to my wife as we're watching now and stuff. So yeah, um, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be fun to talk about. Um, one last question that I didn't have noted down. Uh, what, what's the name of uh forest's manager? 
Um, currently their manager's name is the Steve Cooper. Cooper, I, th- I thought Cooper's last name. Is he in good health, as far as you can tell? I think so. Yes. I, I'm a little concerned that during the last match, he was suffering from a shellfish allergy or something. Like <laughs> the whole time, his eyes were almost completely shut throughout the entire match, and I, I'm I'm a little a little worried about him. Um, no, I I think that's just what he looks like. Okay, I didn't remember it from the last time that we played Forest, and maybe they had a different manager then. I'm, I'm not no, sure. No, he's been, he's but, been there. Uh, uh, he's been there. Um, yeah, he's been there. He was actually the guy. He actually took them up when they they. I don't know if they won the championship last year. Um, oh no, they won the playoff last year. So they, but yeah, he's the guy who took them up. Um, okay, from championship, and yeah, so he's there for. He almost got fired this year, and the uh, but oh. he didn't, and uh, they they're going to stay up next year. So good for them. Okay, well, I, I hope he's okay. <laughs> I well, they, given they but, just uh, preserved promotion, I'm sure he's doing great. Yep. So, so what's up for next week? It's the season finale. This is it. The only mm-hmm. one left. Uh, home against Wolves. All 10 Premier League matches will kick off at the exact same time. There'll be a little drama surrounding relegation. There'll be some interesting positioning regarding Europe. But I, I frankly, it looks like it's ended up being a relatively quiet final day, which is usually a prelude to something really weird happening. So, you know, <laughs> keep an eye. This might be one if you're watching live. It, I mean, w- We'll probably end up keeping a. Everyone will probably be keeping an eye on some of the other games going on because for our game, we're not going anywhere. Wolves in going anywhere. Could be a long ninety minutes, frankly. But hopefully, mm. it's a, hopefully it becomes a nice moment where the the fans who've been feeling a little restless the last couple of weeks for all the reasons we can we've talked about here, sort of like we we've we've been putting off the retrospective part of it, but just kind of. T- sit back, take a moment, and and just sort of appreciate what what we did this season, um, mm-hmm. the, the whole of the season, and not just the, not just the the struggles since April. The whole of what we've done this season, yeah, there, what the teams accomplished. Yeah, there'll be there'll be time for that next week. But uh, meanwhile, actually, before we say goodbye, there's one thing that you did actually remind me about. Um, Apple released a bunch of platform updates this week. So for Apple TV, iPad, iPhone, Mac, all all their platforms, um, one of the changes is multi-stream viewing. So, and I think this might affect whatever platform you're watching the Apple TV app on for MLS. I think you can have multiple games open simultaneously now. So definitely on Apple's platforms, if you're watching like an Apple TV hardware or on an iPad or something, definitely maybe on like smart TV, uh, Apple TV apps or something like that. It might also work, too. So that's that's something I don't know if MLS probably doesn't. I don't think they have the same format. They they have a playoff format instead. Right. Or something. For the yeah, end of the it's season. not. Yeah, I mean, there, there can be right. times where you'll want some of those games. They've one of the things they did is they put all the the kickoffs aren't all at the same time. Every game kicks off at 730 local time. So right. all the games on the East Coast will start at the same time than the Central time, right. which is so but there's actually more overlap in games. But I mean, especially towards the end of the season, when you're jockeying for playoff position. Uh, yeah, that could actually be uh, that's what they've done. They have done that in the past on the final day. They'll start every game at the same time, hopefully create some drama in terms of the finishes. And there's been some pretty wild finishes in terms of, you know, 
goals scored very late, which swing results in different places. And as a result, different teams make the playoffs right. or don't. And so it's, uh, um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So one, one last question. So uh, we know we're on the beach for this match. We're in number two, no matter whether we win, lose or draw. Um, what about wolves? Where do they stand going into this final match? Um, they are, I like mean, there's, are, they are, there's, I, I, I'm, I'm looking up the, trying to look up the standings. Um, they are not, um, they, they're not, they're not getting relegated. So they're definitely safe and they're not going to challenge oh, okay. Europe. So they're, okay. you know, I don't know if their spot is officially locked in. Hang on. Let me see if I can find them. They're currently in 13th. Um, oh, okay. I guess they could finish as high as looks like they could actually, depending on results, could could jump Chelsea for twelfth, which would be funny, but not really. They'd make a little <laughs> more money out of it in terms of the prizes. Uh, or if if we win, they could theoretically be jumped by West Ham or Bournemouth and end up finishing, I guess, as low as fifteenth. Um, but I mean, it, finishing between twelfth and fifteenth doesn't really matter. Right. Um, right. The real interesting one. Uh, really looks like what's going to end up happening for the relegation zone. Uh, Everton, Leicester, and Leeds are all kind of bunched up there. We'll see what happens in their games. And then um, uh, for Aston Villa and Tottenham for the last European spot. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, Brighton, yeah, top six right now. Um, City, Arsenal, Newcastle, United, Liverpool, and Brighton have all clinched spots in Europe for next year. So it's it's Aston Villa and Tottenham for the uh, the spot in the Europa the Europa Conference League third tier of uh, of European competition. Hmm. So all that's right. some of the things to keep an eye on. I don't remember exactly who all everyone's playing, so I can't say how many of those games might end up overlapping with each other. But our game, not particularly. Right. Yeah, and. Uh... It's funny for some reason I I've been using pretty much from at least near the beginning of the season. I've been using world soccer talks, Arsenal TV schedule page to tell me where I can watch these matches, but they don't have a listing for this last one. So I don't, I don't know where I'm watching it. Yeah. So, so but. What the re the reason for that is that uh, NBC is going to have all of them. They're going to try and put as many of them on TV as they can. Um, right, but they're gonna they're gonna pick the networks based on the matches. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if we wind up on Peacock or who knows, maybe we're gonna we're gonna wind up on MSNBC or something. You know, right? Because like, ours doesn't matter, basically. Exactly. Yeah. They're gonna put and they're gonna put games that have something at stake. Uh, really have something at stake will be on a, a bigger their bigger channels. Could be NBC, could be USA. Um, you know, where or whereas other you know other lesser games will not be like probably like ours. Um, so that's that's really what they're waiting for on that. And there are games. There was a game earlier today. Um, Newcastle, I think, clinched their spot in the Champions League today. I had to do all this at once. There's a couple games. I think Wednesday and Thursday. Um, yeah, Newcastle and Leicester scoreless draw today. Um, hmm. And there's a couple of games. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of games on Wednesday. Well, there's Brighton and City is on Wednesday. Uh, there might be a game or two Thursday. And then, of course, everyone on Sunday. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, 
Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner U superfan to download a raw, unedited recording right away, as well as occasional bonus content. There's a link in the show notes to join. And thanks again to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can find them at liquidiv.com and enter code GOONER, G-O-O-N-E-R, to save 20% at checkout. You can follow our show on Twitter at GoonerUShow for updates and to ask questions. Again, my name is Dove. You can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. And with me, as always, is Keith. And you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Go you gunners. <laughs>